Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, my friends, welcome into episode number 85 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast sponsored by EverFi. Today on the show, my guest is Allison Apsey. And for those of you who don't know Allison, let me just tell you this. Allison is an amazing, amazing school leader, and she's led at all different levels, elementary through high school. She helped to develop a very highly successful charter school, and she's been a district leadership coach. You could say she's pretty much done it all. She was a member of the executive board of directors for the Michigan Elementary and Middle School Principals Association as the professional development chair. She is on the NAESP editorial advisory board. Allison is a best-selling author of several books, including Leading the Whole Teacher, which we're going to talk about today, as well as her brand new book that she co-authored with Jessica Gomez that just released called Leading with Collaboration. Allison is an incredible human being. I was honored to have the opportunity to meet her in person finally last October at the Teach Better conference. And Allison and I sat down and just had a really great in-depth conversation about truly supporting the whole teacher. And you're going to hear it right on the other side of these messages. Hey, leaders, today's podcast is sponsored by EverFi. EverFi provides districts, schools, and teachers with free digital resources to teach essential life skills like character development and financial education. That's right. I said free. EverFi partners with organizations like the United Way to give teachers hundreds of turnkey, standards-aligned lessons and 24-7 support. District and school administrators are supported with a suite of services like professional development and data reporting, all at no cost. Learn more at everfi.com slash edleaders. That's E-V-E-R-F-I dot com slash edleaders. Hey, Education Heroes, this is Kyle Hill, founder of the Recharged Family and host of the Exhausted Educators Recharged Podcast. I want to tell you about something amazing that's happening this summer called the Recharged Family Back to School Virtual Bash. Our Recharged Family team is working to put together over 50 workshops provided by educational leaders from across multiple continents. The idea here is that we're all working together to help you and educators everywhere get ready for the new school year. And an amazing feature of all this is it's all going to be video recorded workshops. You can watch them all year long. Registration opens up on July 1st. And as long as you register before August 1st, you'll get everything for 10 bucks. You can register at rechargefamily.com. That's rechargefamily.com. So what is it exactly that our teachers are looking for from their leaders? It's a super deep question. There's a lot of layers to that, and that's what we're going to get into today on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast with my guest, Allison Apsey. Allison, welcome into the show. Hi. Yeah, great question to lead off with. I like. I love how you're like going deep from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what? There's so much good stuff that you and I can talk about. Let's, let's not waste a lot of time on, you know, the weather. We did that before we hit the record button, after <laughs> right, all. Right. So... Um, just really fast, Allison, though, for my listeners who maybe don't know who you are, just like 30 seconds, this is who I am, this is what I'm all about, go. Yeah, so I am 
uh, educational leader, spent ma the majority of my career, well, all of my career up to a year ago in the state of Michigan, 19 years as a principal of all levels. I just moved to Georgia and what was my side job now has become my full-time job and that I'm traveling around the country and working with leaders and teachers um, with an organization called Creative Leadership Solutions where I primarily work as a collaborative coach or a and or a leadership coach. And then I also um, speak and travel and share my own work, um, which is based on my the, the books that I have authored and that are published. Absolutely. Yeah, some really great stuff in there. And, and I, I want to get into some of the leadership coaching stuff because, as you know, I do that work as well, uh, similar to you. You know, 15 years in school leadership, uh, 26 total in, in in school leadership, and 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 doing that same kind of thing right now. Really getting out there and supporting our leaders. So let's let's come back to that question I asked. Uh, you know, to kind of open up this episode, we've definitely got our leaders' attention right now. What is it that our teachers really, really are looking for? I mean, we're like on this, not on the cusp of. We're in the middle of a teacher shortage, a teacher shortage crisis, for that matter. What do our teachers really want and need from leaders right now? Okay, so I wanted to answer sarcastically, but I'm not a sarcastic person, so I won't do that. But I was going to say something like they really want self-care advice. No, no, no. That is not what they want. <laughs> that is the opposite. Yeah, the, click. Everybody just turned it off. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. No. Um, but what they want, actually, you hit the, we hit the nail on the head as we started this conversation. And one of the things that teachers want is they want leaders to treat time like the precious commodity it is. There's so much to do in the school day for leaders, for teachers. We don't have time to waste in meetings about meetings or um, just things that aren't going to lead to productive growth in students or support teachers as they're trying to plan engaging lessons. So that's one of the things that they want from leaders is treat time like a precious commodity. And so what's some advice that you're giving leaders right now as you're supporting them how do they do that? What, right, what, yes. what do they really need to do to really value and, and to let make it be very clear to their teachers that they truly value their time? Yeah, I mean, it's everything from even like how we utilize email, because email can be just like the bane of our existence, like this monster where I'm like afraid of opening up my email each day. But if if we actually only send emails to our staff on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, unless they're like of immediate importance. That would be something. If we save up all of our emails and put them in the, a weekly update that we give to them on Thursday, not on Friday, not over the weekend, but on Thursday, because then they can read it during the school day instead of having to read it on their own time. Um, if we have agendas for meetings and start on time, follow the agendas and end on time, like those kind of things communicate a, a mutual respect that teachers need and deserve. That's a really important piece. I think, I think there's so much that goes into that, and it uh, it, it ties into your book. I wasn't going to jump into the book yet, but but it, it, but it makes me think about you know some of some of the six pillars that you have right there in the book, and I, I mean you go right at it right away with just that emotional safety, and I think when um, when we're being real mindful of people's time, when we're when we're not bombarding them with email, I love how you talked about email. Um, that is that is kind of like the silent killer, if you will, mm, uh, yeah. in, in leadership, right? You know, I mean, if you think about it, we can get 
hundreds of emails every single day. And if we allow ourselves to get like sucked into that, man, before you know it, you've accomplished nothing. Your, your day is basically gone. Um, so as leaders, we experience that. And we've got to think about that from our teacher's perspective, right? I mean, because they've got all those kids in the class, whether it's 25 or 30 in, in the elementary classroom or 120, 150 kids at, at a secondary level. Right. Even just cutting it back to a couple of days a week. I like that. I really, really like that. What do, what do leaders say when you share that with them? Um, I mean, it scares them a little bit because... Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's why I ask. <laughs> when we send emails to others, it takes something up off our plate. So let's say, you know, district office sends a notification and we want to forward it to the teachers. So there's this communication loop. But in reality, what we feel like is strong, consistent, clear communication is bombarding teachers so much with, with email communication that they can't pay attention to it. And then so often as leaders, teachers will ask us, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, there's a meeting on Thursday? Yeah, did you read your email? Well, no, I can't read my email because I'm busy teaching children. And there's like 500 that come in as I'm teaching children. So if we pause and we every email that we're about to send as leaders, if we say, hmm, does this have to go out right now? Or could it be included in that update that I sent to teachers by the end of the school day on Thursday? Nine times out of 10, it can wait. And then teachers know that when we're emailing them, it's of immediate importance. Otherwise, everything else is going to wait. That's really powerful. Uh, as as you were talking, it made me think a little bit about um, so often with communication with parents, you know, or or even in the classroom. All right. So as a teacher, you know, hey, I said it once. You know, did did they not did they not listen? Or mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I taught that. Did they lit? Did they learn it? But as leaders, sometimes we exhibit that exact same behavior, right? You know, we send, you know, this continual stream of email or, or something like that, or, or even the newsletter thing. You mentioned, you mentioned an update. And even before you said it, I, I started thinking about the, you know, the every Monday email newsletter that, that my leadership team would send out. And it's like, well, it's in the newsletter. It's in the newsletter. And yeah, you want to train people and get them to understand, oh, go back to the newsletter. But so often, you know, no, I didn't read it. I didn't have time for that. I think that's part of why, you know, you said, well, it scares leaders a little bit because I think deep down we know we don't even read all of our own emails, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be straight. I mean, as a principal, my secretary read most of my email. The stuff I didn't need, she got rid of for me, which was wonderful, but I think that's one of the things that that scares leaders the most is, well, they want more communication, so I'm going to give them more communication. But are they even going to read it? This is a lot more on communication than I expected it to be, but but let's just chase this just a little bit more. Yeah, it is. And um, I love that quote about, um, gosh, I can't remember who said it, but the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. Because we think if we forward the email or if we put it in the newsletter, then that's clear, consistent communication. But you're right, and we have to think about it in terms of making the the means of communication match the needs of whoever we're communicating with. So if it's families, like one of the best mechanisms of communication was Facebook because families were on Facebook. Or I put it on a YouTube video that they could watch in their car as they're in the, the pickup line. Well, it's really important to think of teachers and staff in the same way. Like might a Facebook group 
be a better means of or more effective means of communication or recording a podcast <laughs> that is the weekly update for teachers or, or providing it in several different ways, recording it as, as a podcast, sending it as a newsletter, as a video. We have teachers who want to listen to it as they're doing laundry, teachers who prefer to read it, um, just making making it accessible to as many people as possible. It's not like teachers want to be uninformed. It's just time is a precious commodity and we are bombarded with information and we can't keep it all straight. You know, and as you were talking, I'm over here, you know, tapping myself on the nose because you are hitting it on right on the nose. And, and, and by that, I mean, putting it out in multiple different ways, you know, I mean, it's just, if we're truly going to model for our teachers how we want students to have opportunities to learn through different modalities, we've got to do that too. And even in just simple things like an email communication, I love the idea of whether it's a podcast or, you know, some type of uh, like a Facebook group, or I'm sure, you know, a lot of schools have, you know, different communication apps that they use, you know, create a group in there. I mean, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, I think, I think you've hit on something that's really big that we have to be willing to communicate through a lot of different modalities in order to ensure that, that our teachers get the information. And uh, just one thing I want to, I'm going to take, take this and, and throw it into, uh, in, into another one of the pillars, but another piece of that, that type of communication it's just simply the face-to-face conversations, just that mm-hmm. that actual time spent with teachers. And so you said earlier that our teachers really want leaders who are going to honor and value their time. So my question is directly related to those face-to-face conversations. I was always very intentional as a school leader and as a district leader, and, and this is one of the things I push with the folks that, that I'm coaching is go and spend time in teachers' classrooms when there aren't kids. And I'm not saying go spend their entire planning period talking to them, but is that still of value? Not only from the communication standpoint, but but from actually multiple of your six pillars. Yeah, so, I mean, that hits showing teachers that they're valued. It helps building positive relationships. It helps with communication in regards to emotional safety. Like, so many of the pillars are wrapped up in that intentional face-to-face communication. And it's interesting because one of the things that I started doing before the pandemic, and it was actually like my first blog post that probably went viral, is a weekly check-in with teachers. And it it, it was born out of um, the idea that we were checking in frequently, daily, weekly with students. And, you know, where are you you feeling? Like, what, what support do you need? Do you need to have a conversation with me? So teachers were checking in with students and one of the teachers kind of tongue in cheek said, hey, wouldn't it be nice if like, principals checked in with teachers like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. So we yeah. started just a simple Google form on Monday mornings that just said, how are you feeling about the week ahead? Are you like feeling great about the week ahead? Or do you have a lot of work to do, but you're going to be okay? Or you could use some help, but it's not urgent. Or like you need some help ASAP or other. And that wasn't to replace face-to-face communication. That was as kind of a safety net or a catch-all for those people that I, I didn't get to see on Monday morning as I went around before school and said, hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? Because you, you can't get to everybody all at the same time. But at least there was a mechanism for that communication sometime 
during the day on Monday. So I would check those responses throughout the day. And of course, Google Form, Google Forms throw the information into Google Sheets and I would color code the Google Sheet. And I, if it was like, I need you ASAP, I would color that red. If, I, if it was like, I need you sometime, not immediately, that would be yellow. And then after I went and followed up with those staff members, I would change that to green. So I would always have this accountability method of um, making sure that I did follow up and that I am um, just checking myself to make sure that I'm doing what yeah. I said I was going to do. Well, and that that all by itself is another one of those pieces that probably mm-hmm. hits a lot of the pillars too, is just simply closing the loop, right? Yeah. You know, so often, so often we'll ask, you know, how you doing? Or is there something you need from me? And, you know, one, one of the things that I've seen, especially early career leaders really struggle with, because they get so caught up in the work, which makes perfect sense, but is actually closing that loop, whether that's mm-hmm. you know going and just having a quick conversation uh, around a, a discipline referral that you managed or a request that a teacher had or or something like that. If if teachers are asking something of you on this form and it's not until Thursday or Friday that you're getting to the red, then what's the point of it being red? Right. right. I mean, it's right. you got to be you got to be like, OK, I have to get to this, which takes me to this to this question. How did you manage? And I'm asking this as the early career leader. Yeah. How did you manage to have time for that? You know, I mean, I would have, you know, 10 teachers needing something and two angry parents and, you know, seven kids who need something and 12 things on my pushpin board. And that's that's just a normal Monday morning. So how did you manage to make sure you had the time? So I mean, calendaring, uh, my Google calendar is my life. And that was the case as a principal and it still is the case. But if I put in there, I send that um, that check-in out at 7.30 in the morning. And then maybe the first time I check it is 8.30 after students are in and, and teachers are in their classrooms. And I would have the majority of responses by then. I would calendar that in. It takes 10 minutes to check it and then go take a walk around and follow up with teachers. And, and honestly, once you have established a culture of you say you need something, I'm there to help you with it, then very few teachers actually ask for help in that form. So it, there, there may be two or three each week. And it's not just teachers. It is also support staff because I included everyone in that weekly check-in. And I think sometimes our support staff or those people who you know are only work for a couple hours a day, we don't get that opportunity to check in with them face-to-face. So they almost used that weekly check-in more than teachers did. So I mean, the, the work was not massive. Once the culture was established of you ask for something, um, you're going to you're going to get it. I'm going to come and I'll be there within an hour to ask you how I can help you with that. Well, and I think that lends itself right to being intentional around building trust. Right. You know, if yeah. people know they can trust that you're going to follow through with something or when you say you're going to do something that you actually go and do it. That makes that makes all the difference in the world. And I love that you talk about support staff because, I mean, they're human beings, too, and mm-hmm. their needs may very well take precedent over the need of a teacher, depending on what it is. So knowing that they were able to and willing to really utilize that form, I'm sure for you, helped build kind of a sense of of knowing that there was trust within your staff. It's it's hard to lead a staff if they don't trust you, uh, whether that's 
teachers or support staff or, or anyone else. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's t- let's talk about trust and really being intentional about building trust. When you're working with an early career leader, what what are some of the steps that you recommend for people so that they can start to build that trust and be able to build that credibility so they can actually get some things accomplished? Yeah, that's a great question. And George Kuros gave this advice when I saw him present in 2015, and it stuck with me all along. And he said, you know, as you become a leader of a building, do not change a single thing until you know a strength of each of your staff members. And trust is really about feeling seen and valued and included. And if we have an environment where we're intentionally seeing the strengths in every single staff member, because every single staff member has at least one strength that you, that you can find, and, and, and so many have many, many strengths, um, and that we're communicating with them, that we see that strength in them, and communicating how that strength is benefiting the school, and then including them to utilize that strength in whatever way possible to support the culture and the progress of the, the school and the community. Whether you're selecting resources and curriculum mapping or you're organizing PD days and analyzing data, administrators, you have a lot on your plate. So why not lighten the load by working with EverFi? It costs you nothing, really. EverFi provides 100% free essential skills resources and services to over 11,000 school districts thanks to partners like the NFL and the United Way. Their standards-aligned resources focus on things like college and career readiness, character development, financial literacy, health, wellness, and other pivotal topics for long-term student success. Check out the free digital resources yourself at everfi.com slash edleaders. In addition to hundreds of free lessons, EverFi provides school leaders with a dedicated team who will align EverFi's resources to your curriculum maps, create tailored learning sessions for your next PD day, integrate EverFi's free platform with ClassLink and Clever, and provide you with regular data reporting and 24-7 support, all at no cost. Man, I wish I had known about EverFi when I was a school leader. Go to everfi.com slash edleaders to see why admin and teachers love partnering with EverFi. Then schedule a meeting to bring EverFi's free resources and support to your district. That's E-V-E-R-F-I dot com slash edleaders. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. And again, we're back to relationships because you can't <laughs> you can't identify their strengths if you don't build a relationship with them. I love that. I, I, I can I can tie everything back to relationships. I really can. And, and to be, <laughs> I hear and, because that's what leadership is, right? I mean, you know, leadership is about leading people, and you can't lead people without building a relationship. So I, I, there's a couple of pieces that I really do want to get into that I really want to hit, and especially with with what we're dealing with nationwide with. A teacher shortage. Um, honestly, we're dealing with a leadership shortage um, in two different ways. Um, I'll explain that really quick. One, I think no, that primarily we have leadership pieces that aren't even being filled because there just aren't the people there for them. And in some cases, too, we have people who are stepping into leadership roles in a much more rapid pace and maybe a little bit earlier 
than maybe you did in your career or that I did in my career. Um, so they just have so much to learn. It's really where I want to go with that. So I want to talk about how how leaders can help manage teacher workload because I know that's a huge issue right now. And I just recently uh, here on the podcast had a conversation with someone about about kind of like quiet quitting and teachers just saying, you know what, these are my contract hours. I'm, I'm going to step away from that martyr mentality. How do leaders help them with that? How do they help them manage that workload? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's a, that's a, a big job. And it was interesting because as I was researching that the pillar of healthy workload, I, I put some blog posts out there, some tweets out there and asking teachers about their workloads and what would help them manage it better. And so many of the responses were, Allison, like I can grade papers. Like that's not the workload that's at issue right now. The, it's actually the worry load that I'm carrying around mm-hmm. on my shoulders. And that's, you know, the, the trauma of their students. It's, um, you know, the learning loss and all the issues that the pandemic has caused. It was the, the lack of kind of feeling like we're growing as professionals and, and moving in the direction we were moving in before the pandemic. And then that like kind of slammed everything shut. And now we're guilting ourselves for, for having that setback because we want to ha- have our, our staff and our community in a different place. So it's this huge worry load, state testing that teachers are carrying around on their shoulders. And one of the important things for leaders to do is first of all, to recognize that. And then to have conversations around like, what, what worry can, can I hold that you don't need to hold? What worries can we postpone? We don't need to worry about everything all at once. So it might be a worry that we can postpone for a couple months. So let's just set that off to the side and we'll worry about that later. Um, because if one thing the pandemic taught us is that things can change at a rapid pace and there is no use worrying today about something that might change tomorrow. We have enough to worry about just in the present. So I, I talk about that, the window of stress tolerance, which I learned about in the book, Help for Billy by Heather Forbes. And um, we all have a certain window of stress that we can handle before we get to our breaking point. And if we walk in the, the doors of the school with that window of stress tolerance almost full, we are nearing our breaking point every single day. And there will be additional stress that the day is going to bring. So we need to open that window of opportunity so that we can we can address the additional stress the day will bring without getting to our breaking point. And the, it starts with self-awareness. Like what is filling up your window of stress tolerance? And what are those things that you can do to reduce the baseline stress that you're walking in the door with? Well, that's such a big piece too, is, is what do we walk in the door with each and every day? I mean, sometimes I know I experienced it, you know, a number of times in my career, I'm sure you did too, where, you know, you walk in the door and maybe you're not in the best, the best frame of mind, you know, and it might've been, you know, argument at home or, you know, you know, me driving my daughter to dance practice and things not going well, you know, so it just, just didn't set the day up for, for a good thing. But, but really about, you know, how do we, how do we fix that in our seat, meaning the seat of our car before we actually walk in the door so that we can be in the best frame of mind. So maybe we have a little bit bigger, uh, bigger window there for, for stress tolerance. I really like that. Um, the other one I really want to get to as well, and this one's really near and dear to my heart. Um, I, again, it's a relationship piece, but 
I really feel like the best leaders are really good at and understand positional leadership. In other words, there are times you have to lead from the front. There are times you have to lead from the middle and times that that you get to lead from the back. And it's in those moments when we can lead from the middle and from the back where we allow other leaders to really step up and really, you know, kind of take charge. And it's that teacher voice that's so critical in that time. So you talk about in the book the um, making sure that teachers have a seat at the decision-making table. And again, this was one like this one really just hit me, you know, uh, because that's something that's really important to me. Let's talk about that a little bit and then maybe share, you know, just a few few tips, especially for early career leaders. How do you get that? How do you – how do you invite people to that space so they have an opportunity for authentic decision making, not ceremonial decision making? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the first thing that we have to do is believe that they deserve a seat at the decision making table. I, I work with a principal who shared a quote that one of his former superintendents said to him, and it's the higher you go, the less truth you get. And if we want truth, in our decisions, then we have to invite teachers to the decision-making table. And I I would be really concerned about anybody who would argue that they don't belong there because um, they are absolutely the ones that are going to be implementing the decisions. And, you know, there's a, you know, people might say, you know, we're not gonna have a committee to decide when fire drills happen. But I'll tell you this, I scheduled fire drills one time during state testing and that was a huge mistake. And I got feedback. <laughs> I know. I got feedback from teachers saying, Allison, please don't schedule fire drills during state testing. So no, I did not have a committee to decide when fire drills were going to happen. But from then on, I released like, hey, here's the schedule of our emergency drills. If you see any conflicts, please let me know. So that was a collaborative decision, even without a committee deciding when these drills are going to happen. And I firmly believe that every decision for a school can and should be collaborative at some level. So what you're sharing right there, I think a lot of principals wouldn't stop and take the time to just think about something that simple. You know, why not give your teachers that that just that little bit of information? What you're really asking for, yes, they have input on the decision. But what you're really asking for are two things. Number one, I need some feedback from you. And number two, I want to share with you just a little bit of vulnerability. It's not much, but hey, I I don't have to always lead from the front to use use the vernacular I like to use. I would just love to hear your feedback. Tell me what you think. Is there something I overlooked? Because we can't always be right as leaders. You're just asking for simple feedback. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we think about a seat at the decision-making table, it's not just about making the decision because we need to have transparency of like, okay, is, the, is your input going to be used to inform the decision, make the decision? You know, what level of input do we have right here and what level of control do we have? But I think it's really important to think about the other roles in decision making. One is problem identification. And that comes from really good, consistent communication 
asking teachers, what challenges are you facing right now with the curriculum materials? What gaps are you seeing? Like having PLC meetings on a weekly basis can lead to um, identification of tools that are needed in order to address student learning needs. So there's that role of problem identification. There's that role of vetting different options. But then there's that role of identifying implementation barriers or implementation considerations. So often as principals, we're you know kind of middle managers, decisions are made at a central office level, and then we get the role of implementing them. And even at that point, inviting teachers to the table and saying, here's what we need to do. What are some things that we need to think about before we implement this? What are some challenges or barriers or roadblocks we're gonna face? What are some supports that are needed? in order to implement this. So there's there's so many different roles at the decision-making table that I think it's really important that we consider where and when we can pull teachers in as much as possible. So here's another one of those places at the decision-making table, and you kind of alluded to it, but I wanna get your take on this and I'll share just a very quick backstory. Had a conversation very recently with one of my former student athletes who's now an assistant principal and struggling a little bit with she's very much a data-driven person she sees on the data here's what we need to do this it's clear this is the professional development that we need but they're not buying in of course my conversation with her was you need to get them to come to hey here's what we should be doing how do we using the decision making seats or how did you go about helping to develop professional development plans, you know, or, or any type of initiative or something like that, where teachers really had some ownership and some buy-in rather than just simply, hey, this is this is this year's new initiative. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, having conversations, <laughs> it all goes back to those really good questions that we need to ask teachers on a regular basis and really listening to the the feedback that they have. And and I do have an aversion to the term buy-in because I I think if our role is salespeople, we're missing the mark. And instead of, I don't think we have to worry about buy-in if people are invited to the decision-making table, like conversations about what do you, what, what area are you working on right now? Where are you, where are you looking to grow in your instruction? Where are you looking to grow in, in the man, in your management of students in your schedule and really inviting teachers to look at areas where that, and that goes to that continuous learner pillar, but inviting teachers to share where they're looking to grow and learn and then matching the professional development with where they're looking to grow and learn. And, and part of coaching is having um, goals where we both agree to them. So, you know, if, if I meet with a teacher and they're like, well, I'm, I'm looking to, to grow in this particular way. And to me, I don't, that doesn't make sense with what I'm seeing in the classroom. We're gonna dive a little bit further into that conversation until we can come up with an area where we both agree is an area that um, is of need for, for growth. I rarely have had to have those conversations because teachers are professionals and astute in their own strengths and areas for growth. And it most typically is a match with what I was seeing as a school leader. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Just love that. Uh, we could just riff on this for hours and hours and <laughs> hours, but we've we've reached the point in the show where uh, where I want to ask you the same question I ask everybody else, and that is, of course, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So, Allison, right now, what are you doing to lean into leadership? Right. I was thinking about this because you let me know that you're going to be asking this ahead of time, but um, one of the ways that I'm really working on leaning into my leadership is by practicing what I preach. Like there's been a lot of changes in my life lately, and it's really important that I am looking for those beautiful lessons and opportunities to become a better version of myself with all of the different challenges and new experiences that that I'm going through. And, and my goal is to really embrace the idea that people don't remember what we say, they remember how they feel around us. And if I can bring light and energy and focus everywhere I go, like that's a, that's a huge accomplishment and a gift that I can give to others, regardless of what the circumstances surrounding us are. So, so just bringing that, that energy and that focus is a way that I'm leaning into my leadership right now. Light, energy, and focus. What a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation. For those people who will want to get in touch with you, and I know there will be a lot of them, Allison, what's the best way for people to reach out? So if you know how to spell my name, which is a little tricky, but um, then you know how to find me everywhere. You can, um, my website is allisonapsey.com. You can email me allisonapsey at gmail.com or I'm at allisonapsey on all the social medias. Just trying to keep it simple. There you go. Make it simple so they can find you. And I will make sure and put all of those in the show notes as hyperlinks as well. So people can just simply click and go and find you. Allison, thank you so much for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Hey, again, a big thank you to Allison for coming on the show. That was a great episode. And wow, did she just drop leadership gold nuggets everywhere throughout that episode. So get into the show notes, folks. Click on the links that will take you to all the ways you can get connected to her. Check out her books, all of that awesome stuff at allisonapsy.com. And now it's time for a pep talk. So today on the pep talk, here's what I want to talk about. I have been, man, for a long time, somebody who struggles to stay on point to really feel like they're getting stuff accomplished. You know, every day I have a list of eight or 10 items on my whiteboard that I want to try and accomplish. And I don't necessarily get everything done every single day. So big shout out to my friend, Jeff Gargas, who recently challenged me to track my time. I'm using an app actually called Toggle Track. And essentially you type in what you're doing, it starts timing you, and then when you're ready to move on to something else, you switch, okay? I'm only a couple of days into this, folks, but I'm telling you what, for me, it's like holding me a whole lot more accountable, you know? And, and maybe it's because in my own mind, I know that when I look down, like right now, I'm tracking my time and it says podcast work. So I know that this is the one thing I'm going to stay focused on. I'm not going to chase over to social media and I'm not going to answer a bunch of emails or that kind of thing. And you know what? I've talked about this on this show so many times about ways that I did this as a school leader and how my secretary held me accountable and all that kind of stuff. I have to track my own time, I think, to help keep me on point. So if you're like me, if you struggle at all with really feeling like you're accomplishing things or getting things finished, 
you know, or that you're just overwhelmed, take that challenge. Track your time. Just do it for a week. Do it for two weeks. Whatever. Do it for a couple of days. But track your time. See where you're actually investing your time. Where are you spending that precious time? You might just find you're a whole lot more effective when you're really mindful about how you're using your time. That's what I got for you today, folks. Get out there and have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.